0: Hurrah once again this morning. <laughs> the uh, Greg Fruit Swim Club convenes here at uh, Hollywood's most sensational cinematic uh, exhalation, the Egyptian Theater here at the Cinematak, right in Hollywood, California, located graciously in the show business district. Uh, it's so exciting to ton- show tonight's picture, uh, John Waters' 1988 classic uh, on its 30th anniversary, Hairspray, and uh, <laughs> starring the immortal uh, uh, divine uh, Deborah Harry. Um, Ruth Brown. uh, Yeah, it's a full palette. Uh, This movie is uh, a a full uh, ship of of cinematic gold being carted across the tawdry seas of lurid exploitation filmmaking. It's uh, uh, John Waters' first big great giant um, thing, and um, he can live forever on it, which is a very exciting prospect. Uh, I love the idea of doing an outsider film career and then making a movie that every high school in the country performs a movie with um, explicitly awesome themes that resonate to this very day. Let's cut to the heart of the matter. Uh, When I was a teenager growing up in the stultifying white suburb of San Carlos, California, uh, how white were we? Home of the Plain Yogurt Festival. So, we're One Direction's found in the hip hop section. We're really white. Our Catholic school is named St. Charles. St. Carlos means St. Charles. That's how white we were. We called it St. Charles anyway. Uh, and uh, San Francisco was but 30 minutes away by uh, Vega. And thank you for remembering the two people who do. Everyone else, you took a Vega there? Yeah. And then when we got there, there was an Alpha and an Omega. And we went to see um, Divine in uh, The Neon Woman. This is 1978. Yeah, written by Tom Line, who later uh, collaborated on Dreamgirls. And it was advertised in the newspaper and whatnot, and uh, it was like, from the people who brought you women behind bars. So it was fairly irresistible uh, for 1978. Uh, I realized the crowd here is, uh, everyone I think uh, here tonight has an emotional attachment to this picture um, because of some personal story. So for me, it's going to see Divine, and, uh, and I'm not gay, by the way, and I make no fucking case for it. Um this isn't like a caveat or like a weird press conference where I'm calling everybody out or taking an ad out in the New York times, like Richard Gere or whatever. This is me simply saying that I went to see divine when I was a teenager because I'm from San Carlos and I was being constricted, uh, by, uh, yeah, by suburban thought, bad company, toe socks and bake sales and shit like that. And, uh, So I had to go where the action was, which was San Francisco. Because on San Francisco in the late 70s, if you were there, it was kind of a human zoo. Uh, The first time I saw Rocky Horror was at uh, a theater called The Egypt on uh, Market Street. And you bought your candy through a cage that they slid the money under. And then they slid the... You were like jujubees. And they fucking slid a box under, like prison style. Yeah, because of the violence that happened in the theater... Before the show, a drag queen got up wearing no shirt and what appeared to be a DNA molecule on his head and danced furiously to Lady Marmalade. And so I felt comfortable finally. <laughs> San Carlos was so rigid and white and people really did wear like, I don't know, whatever. You were there. So <laughs> you were there for white people's school. There was things like A.S. English and uh, we took a course in those days called Foods. Which was Homac, but boys were allowed to take it without the stinging patina and everlasting, yeah, the scarlet fucking letter of uh, Homac. So it was called Foods, and I recently saw one of the gentlemen that I attended Foods class with at San Carlos High, Mike, and uh, he looked exactly the same but older. And he would sit on one end of the table and pick it up and go. We don't get fooled again, and drive it into the chest of Steve Grana, who sat on the other end of the table. I didn't tell Mike that's what I remembered him for. But it was nice to see him. Uh, And uh, so we would drive to San Francisco, obviously, to escape that. And uh, although Mrs. Lee in foods class was pretty high, I, I think, I don't know if it was Sherry or what, but she really couldn't pour the vanilla into the cake. You know what I mean? It was kind of errant. It was like a, like a whirling celebration, a celebratory sparklets water fantasy of vanilla going around the room. The whole rest of the day, you smelled awesome. Everywhere you went, you were, you were a giant baked good in each classroom you walked into. People went, like, who the fuck just bathed in vanilla? Like, who brought in a basket of pudding? So, it was very exciting to drive to San Francisco and park at the Alcazar Theater. And... Uh, Like I said, I think it was 17, 18. uh, The Alcazar had minarets, as befitting its name, outside. And um, I remember going in. I don't know if we bought drugs. I can't remember. I think I was on a date. And if there's one thing I've known uh, since I was a young single guy, it's that the way to a woman's heart is to take her to a show starring Divine in the 70s. I remember that uh, Divine wasn't the first one on. There was some cursing first. And, uh, uh, bad behavior and a couple drag queens, uh, and, uh, 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 a ringmaster that was a black dude with no shirt on and a hat, like a pimp hat. Oh yeah. This is fucking awesome seventies. And, uh, then divine came out and like, shut up all you sons of bitches. And I remember being, yeah, wildly excited. It was like s- seeing Sophie Tucker at the Copa and, uh, uh right. If you could shoot me like my sister, okay. you know, like, you're like, it's on. And, uh. It had every manner of mayhem in it. There was, uh, on stage, there was lurid sexual acts that I shall not describe because I feel they are too graphic for the purposes of this staunch, analytical, cinematic library that we're building here week after week, month after month. Thank you for the three ironic laughs. Everyone else, that was fucking funny. Thank you for the complimentary laugh. So, uh, there was that. There was a... I hope I didn't describe what it was. No, I didn't. And, um, and there was cocaine usage on stage, which was very exciting to me as a teenager because I was like, right. <laughs> the permission to smoke a joint and wear a DNA molecule on your head and dance to Lady Marmalade in a movie theater. The permission to snort cocaine on stage in a show and that it was considered wild entertainment to have Divine change into 20 different outfits and, and then uh, at the end this sort of halter girdle thing, and the wigs, the wigs, uh, astonishing tsunamis of design that defied nature. Melville never described anything as potent and large as divines, and the lethality, the sea creature lethality of her wigs was unsurpassed, and her uh, uh stage act was just, it was tremendous, you know. And you go, and you're like, oh, right. So everybody, like, pretending to like, like, Leonard Skinnerd, and, right? I got big glasses that year because of Diane Keaton and Annie Hall. I'm not gay, and I make no fucking case for it. I loved her glasses. So I got a big pair of those that look like it. I don't think they were... She's wearing Calvin Klein, is it? Ralph Lauren. Everything's Ralph Lauren, right, with Woody Allen. Sorry, and that'll have to be edited out of the show. Um, and, uh, it, everything's off right? And so I got a pair of like, and because my school was San Carlos high, you go back to school and I'm like, fucking, I'm ready to rage through these halls. With the, you know, no one rocked anything in those days, by the way. Um, maybe complimented with some earth shoes. Thank you. Or possibly by that date, familaris. Too early for familaris? Is it too early for formalized? Should we order? No, thank you. Finally, one person. Everyone else, I guess you never wore Fiorucci either, so fuck you. You should listen to songs by Sheik. They describe all of this in detail. There's an easy way to catch up on this. You don't have to watch a documentary or listen to Tom Brokaw or anything. A couple of Sheik records will put you right in the fucking flow, baby. As soon as you hear, yowzy, 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 you're going to be like, yeah, I'm coked up. And a dazzling variety of drugs. But not really the drugs of today. Not the Kit Kits and the Chip Chips and the whatnot. <laughs> Mushrooms, poppers, you know, methamphetamine, which we called crank. Uh, no. Uh, uppers like um, uh, Black Beauties and um, uh, uh, Crosstops. Cross tops were whites. They were also called whites. They were just little white tablets that looked like a children's aspirin, and they had a cross etched in them. And if you took one, you were pretty speedy. If you took two, fucking good shift. If you took three, okay, wow. If you took four, kind of a psychotic episode brewing here. Sometimes we would take, I remember the busboy at, uh, uh, where I worked at Stone Soup and uh, Saramani in, uh, in Burlingame, was it, or San Bruno? Uh, chick, What? It's in San- Thank you. Someone's from San Bruno here tonight. There's no other reason you'd know that, unless your family was a giant. Uh, where, where, did you live in San Bruno? I've never actually talked to anyone on the podcast. This is nice. Where did you what? Pacifica. Hell yeah. San Carlos. I'll see you on the coast. Pacifica is a town that I'm not kidding is currently falling into the ocean, chunk by chunk. And it was really awesome, Pacifica. It is really awesome. Um, There's so much mist in the air all the time. It's called Pacifica, so you get the idea of where it is. It's like a Sicilian village. It is precipitously hanging um, off of a, a bluff overlooking the ocean that pounds ceaselessly, I assure you, and renders a fantastic emollient effect to your skin and hair. It's like you're in Scotland in the 40s and Brigadoon's happening. You can have lustrous hair in Pacifica because there's always moisture, and uh, if you wear glasses, it's the worst place to live in the world, because you're constantly, where's Pacifica? I don't, oh shit, my glasses are covered with mist, again, and then again, and then again, it's like going to Niagara Falls, and uh, it's a bummer, so, uh, but, but uh, my friend had a, uh, um, a relative who lived there, who I was most impressed by because he had a marijuana tree in the backyard that was cut off right below the fence line. That was to hide it from the neighbor, you see. And a vending machine that had, instead of Coca-Cola's, the, I think it was a Hire's root beer machine, it had Budweiser's that they had put in, but it was still operating. And I was, I think, 16 or 17, and I was like, this place is awesome. When I get to be this age, really old, 24, I'm gonna fucking have a beer machine. Like, why? Why? You could just drink beer like every other human. But that was specific to me. I hope your memories are slightly the same. Sadly, you won't get a chance to air them during this episode. So divine, I thought, was a, a giant figure in a lot of ways. Divine was in the Cockettes briefly, and they did some shows like, what was it? Uh, uh, oh, golly. The, the Heartbreak of Psoriasis was one of their shows. But another one I think was called like Journey to Uranus, which is fantastic. And, um, uh, and, and did so much great work on film. The original idea of this picture, by the way, was that um, Devine was going to play Tracy and her mom. And yeah, they didn't do it. It didn't end up that way. Uh, Obviously, Ricky Lake is is seriously sensational in this and is a part and parcel of the whole magic of the picture. Um, But when I think about Divine playing both parts, it's just too good. That's the alternate movie that I play in my brain. Not right now or nothing, but at times when you're not there. Um, This is an interview with John Waters about Divine. Can you remember the moment you met I used to see him when my father would take me to school and I'd be so angry and so insane. He'd be waiting for the school bus and even standing there made my people uptight because he looked like a Nelly, but not flamboyant. He was a nerd. My father reacted badly to him, which made me interested. Right? Uh, let's see here. There were t- Well, How would you describe your friendship? Um, he was in the... Uh, what's that? With Hairspray, we had a great experience. I always think of the last time I saw Divine. He was in the last booth in the back of the Odeon. Now, every time I go in there, I look at that table. It was a wonderful night. We had a limo. Heaven knows who paid for it. It wasn't me or him. And Harris had been out a week. If it, it was a hit. If I had to pick a night, that was going to be the last night. Um, I think Divine uh, gave a lot to a lot of people. And also, there's so many... Uh, the Oscars are so representative of how things are slowly being dragged forward by white people in a giant Arctic sled... It's like going to the Iditarod of old film people and having them cross the finish line gradually with some sort of tip of the hat to gay rights. or uh, AIDS got acknowledged, what, two years ago? The, the, yeah. So, uh, you know, for a movie like this to come out in 1988, it was fantastically mainstream in a lot of ways. And because of that, it became a hit and then a, a subsequent musical and then a subsequent everything. And it's basically the footloose of movies where men kiss men. And, which let's be honest, is what's missing from Footloose. If let's hear it for the boy had a slightly different slant, we'd be showing that movie here tonight, instead of this excellent movie. In that movie, Christians forbid the children to dance and commingle because they're afraid that the jungle music will excite them, and they'll find concupiscence. This picture is a whole other bag of dry cleaning, and... uh, That's what makes it so super elastic, awesome. Debbie Harry's in this movie. And she was already, yeah, uh, gianter than God at this point. And um, uh, I happen to know Deborah Harry. And I'm dropping it because, one, we're in Hollywood, and two, it's true. Um, I don't hang out at her house or anything like that. But we are acquaintances, and we are friendly. And uh, I've worked with her at several ACLU benefits over the years. That's how I met her at an ACLU benefit. And uh, you need to know that not only is she as funny and beautiful and uh, uh, talented and everything that you would think she'd be offhand and fucking, you know, New York and uh, just awesomely rock star. And by that, I mean slightly out of it sometimes too. And uh, yeah, in any case, she's a staunch feminist and uh, a a mad supporter of abortion rights. And for that, I worship her eternally. And uh, I don't think enough can be said right now, considering that, current climate, to have a whole movie of people like this, including Sonny Bono, and here's why I'm going to give Sonny Bono love. He was the biggest fundraiser for the Republican Party while he was alive. He really was, because everyone knew who he was, and he was a Republican congressman. So everyone wanted to meet him, so he could wring money out of everyone that touched him. And that's why he was their chief fundraiser. At the same time, when Chastity became Chaz, he was cooler uh, than almost everyone else about the whole thing, and never said a word about it. And as you know, Palm Springs, where he was from, is the gay, gay, gayest place in the entirety of California. Um, every member of the city council is queer or, or trans. And you can't say that about any other city. You just can't. Um, I'm not saying anyone who had anything to do with it. <laughs> I'm certain he didn't. But he probably wasn't an altogether bad person. I Try to keep that at the front of your mind. When we show Lenny Riefenstahl next month, I want you to think about her good side. She had a cat? I don't know. I don't think she had a cat. If she did, it was a slave, and she was horrible to it. Not entertaining Nazis in any way. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, I want to... Yeah, Debbie brings a a fantastic comedy turn uh, to this picture, as does Ricky Lake. And what I really wanted to talk about for just a second before we go, and we're going to go, is um, Ruth Brown. Um, Ruth Brown was probably the biggest black star of the fifties. There's really no other way to wedge it. And um, she didn't get the play because she didn't have any crossover hits. She has a lot of rhythm and blues hits and she made them for Atlantic, the label with uh, famously, you know, i Erdogan and all that. And they ripped her off for all of her money. And then later after she'd been a cleaning person and drove buses, um, she got together and was doing a stage show and red Fox encouraged her to do it. And she, sued Atlantic Records and started a foundation to get people their money back. And she got all her money back, baby. And got all the other, yeah. And Ruth Brown plays Motormouth Mabel in this picture. And her her part's cartoony and large. It's a John Waters movie. And uh, what you're never going to get is in-depth character study or acting or anything like that. So don't look for it. Don't expect it. If it happens, fucking go with it. Just go with it. Uh, But there's a lot of excitement. There's a great point. And uh, he put Ruth Brown in this movie, and he needs to be uh, uh, thanked till the end of time for having done that. She deserved a chance to have a groovy turn in a picture. Um, She, along with two or three other black women, invented rock and roll, and then everyone else kind of took credit for it and shit. So it's nice to see her in a picture where it's all about dance, and that her primary, uh, one of the, uh, you know, impotuses of her character is to teach... uh, the dances that they're doing in the black room to the people that are in the white room. And uh, I think that's as profound as you can get in a John Waters movie in a lot of ways. And uh, he might agree as well. He would also say, oh, look, surprise. Happy New Year, everybody. Next month, by the way, on April 11th, we're showing um, Sullivan's Travels uh, by Preston Sturges. And Jennifer picked all these pictures out. Uh, She curates them. We've shown this year so far, um, Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure, um, and then Gun Crazy, which has a name more shocking than it is meant to be. It was a wonderful uh, picture. Tonight, uh, Hirsch Bay, and then uh, Solomon's Travels by Preston Sturges. And uh, anyway, I just wanted to give her credit for that. Uh, This picture, as I say, is set in the early 60s. And so things were much different than they are today. And there's lots of people alive, some of them in this room, who remember the early 60s and how very different they were. And yet at the same time, of course, uh, we're punished by the fact that uh, we're having to fight for the same things over and over. But encouraged by the fact that um, the the happy ending of this movie, oops, spoiler alert, um, uh, will delight and thrill you, as will all of the music through this uh, masterpiece of camp. Um, Jim Norton, the film critic, once said, forget uh, Citizen Kane, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is the great American movie. And I would say, forget singing in the rain, fucking hairspray. As, uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, before the Beatles ruined music, as John Waters said, I give you hairspray. Girl, what you doing over there? Can't you see?